For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Dave M., do you have the sniffles? Allergies. Allergies. Uh, hay fever, pollen, grass? All of the above. I don't All know. All of knows? the above. Huh? It's a tough time for Dave M., undoubtedly. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba, for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. We say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show with Dave Manouk, the the allergic one, with Ezra Ginsberg, the handsome one. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, the bald one, here to talk for the next couple of hours about the Winnipeg Jets, about the NHL, about the Stanley Cup playoffs, and whatever other nonsense comes to our minds. Good morning to you both, gentlemen. I hope you're doing Good well morning. in the midst of this uh, May heat uh, heat spell that we're all experiencing. I hope the AC is running well in your respective homes. I can't believe that you just mentioned that, Drew, because our AC is actually not working at our house. So, so last year it was water in the basement and having to get our foundation fixed. This year, well, that's what happens when you have a 70-year-old River Heights home, right? So, yeah, we have no AC going, so we're going to have to call a heating and AC. If, if anybody knows a good heating and air conditioning company, let me know because, yeah, I think it's going to be like 31 or 32. Got to start off by wishing Ariella, my daughter, a uh, happy fifth birthday. It was her actual birthday Yesterday, as you guys know, she was born on an IC Saturday, 702, which obviously, you know, I thought maybe I would still make the show that day, but Naomi <laughs> thought otherwise. Um, but both my kids are actually born on Saturdays, but gotta get gotta get that in there. Um, happy birthday, Ariella. We had a great birthday party, but yeah, it was a backyard party yesterday, and there was a lot of schwitzing going on, let me tell you. There you go. Glad to hear that uh, you had a nice uh, birthday party. Yes, uh, happy uh, birth, happy birthday to Ariella. Uh, I didn't get my birthday party invite. I'll deal with that issue uh, off air. It's just a family party. Over. Just a family party. Happy uh, birthday okay. to Stu Smith. Well, there you go. Happy birthday, Stu Smith. Also Stu Smith big... is celebrating his birthday with us. Thank you, yes, Stu. Thank you, Stu. Also, a big happy birthday, of course, to our good friend, Ken Weeb, celebrating for, I yeah. believe, happy the, birthday, Kenny. the 242nd time this year so far, although there haven't been 242 days in uh, 2023 just yet. So getting a little bit ahead of myself, but happy birthday to all those are celebrating and whatever else you're celebrating, maybe anniversaries, maybe good test results, whatever it might be. It's a celebratory. Saturday here on the illegal. Well, it's curve it's definitely show. celebratory. Are you not going to put that comment? Like, how are we not going to address that comment from Bell's? Brent Bellamy's watching in France. Is that real? I just put it up. What do you mean? It's been up for like it was up for ten seconds. Oh, there you go. Seconds. Thank you, Brent. Welcome to the south of France. He writes one op-ed on the cover of the Free Press, and he has to immediately flee to the south of France. You know, the I, people I know who that... wanted to the people who want to widen Keniston are not happy with Brent. Oh. So he's actually he's fled into hiding right now. Yeah, and the heavy, uh, <laughs> the heavy construction association ha yeah. has it out for Brent Bellamy, and he's yeah. heading to France as a result to uh, to stay safe. That's Let's be honest, guys. I think being in the south of France is a lot better than ever being on Route 90, the way the traffic moves on that street. But yeah, good to have Brent listening from uh, France, and hopefully he's having a good uh, trip. I'm assuming it's a family vacation, or maybe it's something else. But uh, yeah, it's probably uh, a little bit nicer than where we are right now. Yeah, well, it's beautiful here in Winnipeg. What are you talking about? It's stiflingly hot, but much, it's certainly enjoyable to uh, to live in the furnace for a little bit of Drew, time. Drew, you've been in the south of France. 
Uh, I've actually never been to the south of France. I've been I to have. Paris, but I've never been to the south of France. Uh, Dave's yeah, been there. Drew, yeah. Drew, forget Paris. Forget Paris? I can't. Yeah. I'm Billy Crystal. I, I enjoy I enjoy it too much. Dave was, uh, Dave was actually French say, kissing under the Eiffel Tower. I, I was, but the south of France, very beautiful. There you go. Okay, Dave M. with his uh, travel tips. This is uh, the usual nonsense, as you'd expect. Is it French kissing south. in France, Dave, or is it just kissing? It's just kissing, Ezzy. Yeah. <laughs> you two guys are too much. Anyways, let's talk a little bit about the Winnipeg Jets. Not a lot going on uh, in Winnipeg Jets land uh, this week as everybody is sort of, you know, it's radio silence as everyone's sort of preparing for what will be the flurry of activity in and around the NHL once the Stanley Cup finals come to an end. And, of course, those could start as early as what? If, if, if uh, Vegas wins tonight, they can start as early as Wednesday. Otherwise, it starts next Saturday. I think that's what the NHL uh, came out and said. I really wasn't paying that much close attention to it. Uh, and nonetheless, from the Winnipeg Jets perspective, this is what I'm thinking about, you know, uh, in the lead up to the show, I wanted you guys to, to chime in. You know, we know the names that potentially could potentially be uh, traded. We know Hellebuck. We know Dubois. We know Shifley. We know Wheeler. From your perspective, on the trade market, if the Jets are making a trade this offseason, what is the priority acquisition? Is it a center for a center if they trade one of Dubois or Shifley? Or is it maybe a stud defenseman to shore up things uh, even further on the back end? If you had to pick one position, if you had to pick one, uh, one thing that the Jets need to solidify this offseason in a trade, what is it in your minds? I'll start with you, Mr. Ginsburg. Yeah, I think you won't be surprised because I've been talking about this for months, if not years, right? The need for uh, another top pairing defenseman to go along with with Josh Morrissey. But I think it's not as simple as just one position because it depends also who else is being traded or how many of these players are being traded, right, Drew? Because you just mentioned it, right? Like, I think when you're talking about Dubois or Shifley, you would have to think a center is coming back the other way. Just because we've talked about this, you know, over the last several months or at, at the very least the last couple of weeks, right? Like if you're going to be trading your top two centers, and Dave M has talked about this, it's very unlikely that you're going to have the top two centers traded around the same time. That's why, you know, we've talked about the potential for a guy like Shifley either signing an extension or, or possibly being traded at next year's deadline, right? March 2024. But I think, you know, it's, it's very... Interesting if you throw in like Connor Hellebuck, for example, like I, I'm on the record as saying that the Jets should hang on to Hellebuck if they're going to be going for it. And, and every indication is this Jets team wants to make the playoffs next year and go on a run. Right. So I think, you know, trading Hellebuck, like why would you trade, you know, if not the best goalie, a top three goalie in the league. Right. And the obvious answer to that would obviously be because he's got one year left on his contract and his next contract is going to be, you know, between nine and ten million dollars a year, we think. Right. Might, he might even be asking for more than $10 million a year. And to be honest with you, he's entitled to that when you're nominated for the Vesna three of the last five years, right? So going back to what you were saying about positional players, Drew, like I, I think when you look at this defense, I think it's a good group of defensemen, like Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt being acquired a few years back. They've solidified the top six, but there's kind of like too many kind of third and fourth defensemen on this team. That's the way I view it. And, you know, obviously the strength is on the right side and you're going to have a decision to make coming up with Vili Hanala and Declan Chisholm, right? Like both of these guys, you Dave would agree, are NHL ready. But, I mean, there's only so many spots on the left side when you have Josh Morrissey and Brendan Dillon and Dylan Sandberg there, right? So because you have like a Nate Schmidt contract, for example, 
congratulations to Nate Schmidt, by the way. He recently had, I think it was a baby girl yeah. uh, with his right wife. So congratulations. But like you look at a guy like Schmidt and you know his contract status or or you know Brendan Brendan Dillon's contract status, like is this the year, Dave, that you move one of those guys out? I don't know. But there's no doubt that when you're talking about Dubois and Shifley, you have to have a center coming, you know, the other way. Because when you're talking about Cole Perfetti, for example, we know that he's missed a lot of hockey over the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. they might view him more as a winger, you know, in the short to medium medium term, right, Dave? So I I still think the Jets need that, you know, kind of top pairing defenseman. But I don't know if now is the time to trade, you know, Shifley for a defenseman or like I've used the Ryan Johansson, um, Seth Jones, for example, right? Like, you know, Nashville had a lot of good defensemen, so they traded Seth Jones to, and they needed a center, right? So it's kind of the opposite for the Jets, right? But um, I, I still think that, you know, if it look at put it this way, if you're just going to be swapping centers, you could make the argument, you know, you're not really getting better. You're just replacing what you're trading, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how many of these guys get traded? Because obviously the big ones are, are Dubois and Shifley. That's what everybody's focused on in addition to Hellebuck. But I think, you know, Hellebuck, I've said this before, I think it's, uh, you know, the chance of him being moved is less than those two guys. But I, I just think a, a center has to come back. So in that sense, Drew, you're not really, you know, improving other areas of, of your team. You're just replacing the player you're trading. Yeah, I mean, look, Ezzy, I think you make you make some valid points there. It's just, you know, watching these playoffs, Dave, and watching, you know, it's, it, you know, it's the old cliche, but the NHL is undoubtedly a copycat league. Do you mm-hmm. think that, you know, watching, you know, the final four teams here, that the Jets are, 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 are sort of taking anything from watching these four teams and maybe trying to extrapolate that into how they can move forward this off season and to how they can move forward, the, you know, with, with retooling their roster, you know, it, it's evident that this is not, they're not interested in a rebuild at least mm-hmm. for another year. They're not interested in a rebuild. Maybe that changes their tune. Uh, if, you know, depending on what happens next season, but that it's, it's going to be more of a retooling than anything else. So, you know, from your perspective, so sort of similar question to what Ezzy was uh, addressing, you know, mm-hmm. what's priority for the Jets from your perspective? And then subsequent to that, you know, watching Vegas, watching Florida, watching Dallas, watching Carolina, do you think the Jets are watching those teams and trying to uh, mimic them in any, in any way uh, moving forward? Not really. I mean, you know, maybe Carolina – and their goal scoring was out, but I mean, they were missing two of their best players. So it's easy mm-hmm. to be like, well, you know, they didn't, they couldn't score goals. Well, two of their best and, players. And Jacob Slavin in game four, right? Right. But I'm just saying that for, you know, the, they haven't had Pacioretty or, or Svechnikov for, for the majority of the last latter part of the season or not for the latter part of the season, I should say. So, um, you know, I mean, I saw, you know, the suggestion that the Jets should emulate the Florida Panthers. It's like what they should emulate a team that lost you know, 30 points in the standings and was the Chicago Blackhawks win away against the Pittsburgh Penguins of not making the playoffs or a Brad Marchand breakaway goal in game five to being knocked out in, in the first round. I mean, Sergey Bobrovsky is playing out of his mind. He wasn't even the starting goaltender. So I think you always have to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, some would say, well, I've seen, I've seen the arguments. I've seen a lot of revisionist history. I think, I think that a lot of people are arguing that the Florida Panthers needed to take a step back and learn how to play hockey. Well, or you could just have a goaltender who's playing out of his mind. And, you know, I think I, I, right now, Sergei Borowski's uh, numbers are like fourth best all time for a goalie since they started tracking uh, certain stats. 
Uh, so that's yeah, his goal saved above expected. Dave is like it was eighteen. Like that's just yeah. absurd, right? No, that's what I mean. So, so I'm just saying, like you always have to take it. Like, and look, Jake Ottinger hasn't played particularly well in Dallas, yeah, and Jason awful. Robertson wasn't scoring, and Ottinger plays a great game, and Jason Robertson scores. Well, okay, they win the game, but so I, I you know, like I said, I always take whatever teams do in the playoffs. I understand the NHL is a copycat league and on all that jazz. But getting to your point, Drew, and, and getting to your question, I mean, it really becomes a function of what what are you doing with this team? I mean, if you're going to just retool, right, then if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you're not trading Connor Hellebuck. You're not trading Mark Shifley. The only guy you're really trading is Pierre-Luc Dubois. And in that instance, do you need to get back a center to play center? No, I would I would actually argue that in that mind, if, if you're going to commit to Mark Shifley and you're going to commit to Connor Hellebuck, and forget about Blake Wheeler for right now, but if you're going to commit to those two and maintain those guys as part of your core, then you trade Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I'm, I'm, I'm with Ez. I think what you do is you augment that group. So Connor Hellebuck is going to be better, you know, buttressed against the opposing team. So to me, what we've always talked about is make Josh Morrissey your 1A, but you bring in a bona fide one, number one defenseman. And and that's what this team has needed for a long time who on the right a, side. Who plays a different style than Morrissey, or or or, or no? Who, you, know, uh, you you want a big physical defenseman who can sure. who can clear the front of the net, and and you don't need an offensive defenseman because Josh Morrissey is an offensive defenseman. You need a guy who is responsible, who can obviously make a good first pass and get the puck out of the zone, but you also want a guy who can control the front of the net the way the Jets oftentimes do not control the front of their net. So, so you the have Vegas that Vegas style where they where they basically say. I mean, look at what I mean. You want to, if you want to talk about playoff hockey, look at the way the playoffs are gone. Right, the, yeah. the teams that are having success are the teams that can control the front of the net and and not allow chances from these high danger areas, which the Jets aren't necessarily doing the best job of. So, to me, if you can have that top pairing right side defenseman beside Josh Morrissey, and you can have Dylan Demello in your two spot, and you can have Neil Pionk in your three spot, or I don't care, flip them, have Pionk in the two and Dylan Demello, and then have Nate Schmidt either with the team as a seven. Because you need depth. I mean, ultimately, you're going to need depth. And then you're going to have to figure out what you do with, you know, like I said, you're going to, unfortunately, it seems likely that Billy Hainola is probably in the minors next year. But that all depends on what his what his schedule is going to look like. Right. But I'm just saying. To and me, also what happened to training camp, right, Dave? Like training camp, we talked about it. Like it, the, the train, like, you don't want to say like training camp is going to be more important for certain players. But I think Hainola would be at the top of the list of guys that you would say have the most approved at training camp. You would agree with that, right, Dave? And in the and obviously when I say training camp, I mean preseason games as well, because we know preseason games are meaningless. But for a guy like Hainola, who basically has gone up and down from the NHL and the AHL, I mean, depending on how he plays in training camp and, and preseason, he could crack the roster, right, Dave? But I just wanted to, sorry, you know, I'm kind of uh, you know stealing your thunder here, Dave M. But you know, like. Kenny Weeb, we, our good friend, wrote an article for Sportsnet.ca about a possible right. trade with the Hurricanes, right? Like, I was, so, was going to pivot to that, yes. Well, and, and so, like, the guy that obviously comes to mind is Brett Pesci, right? Like, that's a guy that I think a lot of fans have looked at, and they've looked at that right side because you've got Brent Burns, uh, Julian Chatfield. I thought Chatfield was very impressive, actually, in the playoffs. I think uh, he's a defenseman. I mean, he's a third-pairing guy, so he's a guy that not a lot of people know about, but I thought he showed very well in the playoffs and I'm assuming he was pretty good in the regular season as well. But like whether you're talking about, you know, Josh Pesci or like another guy, you guys know, I really like who I was um, definitely in favor of the Jets acquiring a couple of years ago is Josh Manson, right? Son of Dave Manson, obviously former Jet 1.0. But the thing is like you're, you're a Dubois for like, that's where this gets complicated, right, Dave? Like it's not, 
if you're trading, you, you know, Dubois for a right side defenseman, you got to get a, a like a, a defenseman on a higher tier than that. Like all due respect to Josh Manson and Brett Pesci, you know, when you're talking about Dubois, you're talking about a one A one B center, right? And then the, the question becomes, who is filling Dubois' role up the middle for you next year on the Jets? Like, are you going to elevate Adam Lowry to second line center behind Shifley? Like, could Perfetti play second line center? Is Vladislav Nemesnikov like? That's why I think, you know, it's really hard to see Dubois being traded without getting a good center in return. Not a prospect, but a guy that can actually play next year. Well, let me ask you guys this. The UFA crop this offseason is is not very good. I mean, I'm being blunt. The UFA crop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're being more blunt, but yes. So if the Jets, who have all these attractive assets potentially available in a trade, does that increase their value? Because you can't really dip into free agency and and make a big splash. I mean, teams are going to sign these players, but they're likely going to overpay and they're likely going to regret it because we know that July 1st is always inflationary and, and, and bad decisions often happen on July 1st. So if you're the Jets, do you maybe have a little bit extra leverage in any potential trade negotiations because teams can't go and just acquire a player in in you know in free agency that's really going to make a significant impact. Yeah, it's a good point you make. I think I think you know the answer, Drew, and I think you'll you'll agree with me, right? Like it's it's yes for sure because there's there's no Mark Shifley and Pierre Luc Dubois that are UFAs, right? Like yeah. uh, Ryan O'Reilly's a UFA, right? Uh, but I mean, obviously, you know O'Reilly's going to get a huge salary. I mean, not that Shifley and Dubois won't on their next contracts, but. O'Reilly's a guy that obviously has a con Smythe, um, you know, a little bit older. Right. I think he's one or two years older than, than Shifley. But, I mean, the reality is, though, you're getting a guy potentially that you have control of for that bonus year, right? And that's that's the big thing. When you're talking about Dubois, I'm sure that, you know, if he doesn't sign a one-year deal with the Jets, which is always a possibility, and, you know, the more and more I thought about it, I mean, I wouldn't be completely shocked. I don't think that's an ideal situation, guys. Like, I don't think you want to have how – many, how many players can you have – that are pending UFAs, right, Dave? Like, you know, I don't think you're going to go, going to go into next season with Shifley, Dubois, Wheeler, and Hellebuck all as pending UFAs. And that's why we think at least one of these core four are going to be traded, if not two or three, right? But you're absolutely right, Drew. I think, you know, when you're looking, like, how excited are you getting for Dmitry Orlov? Like, if that's your top, like, we talked about Ryan O'Reilly, you know, just checking here, you know, you've got Patrick Kane, you've got Matt Dumba, um, you know, who else do you have out there? Like, it's just not a very crop, good crop. Like, obviously... You know, there's going to be some players, like you said, that get signed to big deals. But Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy that I liked as an option for the Jets. But, like, I don't – like, he's a winger. So, I don't – like, the Jets have a lot of wingers when you're talking about Connor and, and Ehlers and Niederreiter and so on and so on, right? So, I do think it, it gives the Jets an advantage. And I do think there's going to be a lot of teams that are after these players. I mean, when you're talking about Connor Hellebuck, I think it's possible you could have 10 teams that are interested in him. But even when you're talking about a guy like Shifley – I think there's going to be a lot of teams that that have seen, you know, what he's done. And even though he's not a very good defensive player, I think they would, you know, definitely be interested in acquiring a player like that. Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned Connor Hellebuck. So you we, we've seen the goaltending, uh, you know, in these playoffs and in the final four here, entering the final four, the final four teams, you would have said that Jake Ottinger, based on recent performance, is the best of the goaltenders. Well, he's been pretty terrible for for Dallas. Sergei Bobrovsky, as Dave mentioned, has been a backup at various times this year. He's on this incredible heater. We know what Vegas has been doing with their goaltending all, all year. Uh, we know what that Carolina often goes inexpensive with their goaltending. Does that maybe change? You know, Connor Hellebuck is the, uh, a tremendous 
regular season goaltender. Does that maybe diminish his value in the trade market because of goalies being such, you know, a goalie can go through a bit of a slump and it, 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 you know, and it can happen at the worst times and it can happen really with no warning, let's say, because Hellebuck wasn't great during the round, first round against Vegas. Now, a lot of people would say it's because of the defense in front of him wasn't great as well. He made the first save at the, any sort of rebound was Johnny on the spot for Vegas to take advantage of. So does that maybe change teams thinking as it pertains to acquiring a goaltender of the, of the regular season status of Connor Hellebuck? If I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, I don't think so. If I'm the Carolina Hurricanes and I'm in win now mode, I would rather have, you know, and commit to Connor Hellebuck, even if he doesn't sign an extension for you. You know, you'll take Connor Hellebuck at $6 million if you're a Carolina, even though they're notorious for not spending a lot of money on, on netminders. Right. And they'll have, what, Kachetkov coming up and playing with, uh, you know, he was the guy who scored against the Moose yeah. uh, here when he was playing for the Chicago Wolves. But he's the goaltender of the future. I think he played 20, no, he didn't play that many games. He played a bunch of games in the NHL, though, for Carolina. But he's the goaltender of the future. Mm-hmm. After his first year, I saw that uh, Andrei Sveshnikov was in the Carolina Hurricanes. End of season stuff was doing some um, translating for him, which was actually rather humorous. Although the best was, the best was, it's always funny with Russian players because you can always tell they all, almost all of them speak English. Yeah, and then at the end, just pretend. <laughs> well, they do, and they, you know, so Sveshnikov's asked, and then at the last question, something about learning English, and all of a sudden he just switches to English, and he sounds totally fine. But anywho, the point is, if I'm Carolina and I'm in win now mode, and they have a defense that they've got which is one, as he always talks about the Carolina Hurricanes defense. If you've got that defense in front of Connor Hellebuck and you're not going to play Connor Hellebuck 65 games because all the science, all the research is showing that guys need to play 50 to or 55 to 58 games to really be optimal, to be fresh. So you say to Connor Hellebuck, I get that you want to play 65 to, to 70 games. Who cares what you want? Because if you want to be a Stanley Cup champion, then it's optimal for the best for the team to have a competent backup netminder who can take the load off of you and, and give you the optimal number of starts to be, keep you fresh, keep you in your, in your, in your mode and get you ready for the playoffs. So to me, if I'm the Carolina hurricanes, I would absolutely be all in on, on Connor Hallibuck, even without an extension, simply because it gives you an opportunity to, you know, try and win now, which is exactly what the hurricanes want to do. And we should mention, guys, that, you know, for those who, I, I mean, I know you guys obviously know, and a lot of people, you know, watching the show live and, and, and on the podcast will know, but for those who didn't read Kenny's article who, who don't know, Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta are both pending UFAs. Right. So that, that's why that's why Hellebuck makes a lot of sense. I mean, we have no idea if the Jets and Hurricanes have talked or if, Her, or, or if Hellebuck's even going to be available, but I just thought I'd mention that, that both Anderson and Ranta, their top two goalies, are, are UFAs well, and are probably year, not coming back. This year in Carolina, they spent $6.5 million. That was their budget on Anderson and Ranta. Hellebuck, we know, is at $6.1 million, And Kachetkov is under contract. He signed a sort of, uh, uh, he signed a, uh, I think, a five-year or a four-year $8 million contract extension. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's really a huge increase in what Carolina spends this year on goaltending. They generally go low budget-wise on their goaltending. So Hellebuck would certainly fit in there. Kachetkov at $2 million. So instead of paying $6.5 million for Anderson and Ranta, you're paying $6.1 million plus the $2 million for Kachetkov. Yeah, uh, but you're, so you're, willing, you're willing to eat that if you can have a goaltender of Connor Hellebuck teaching your goaltender of the future 
right. You know, giving him that opportunity to learn and become a better goaltender himself. And, and then you're maybe you're prepared now. I think this was his first year in North America. So he now will have an opportunity to learn with Connor Hellebuck, back him up mm-hmm. and then maybe take again, obviously who knows what could happen. Maybe you sign him, maybe you don't depend on how the season goes, but reality being that maybe if you're Carolina, who we do know has a good, I believe a good goaltending prospect pool. I'm not particularly familiar with it, but I remember from years ago, they were, they did have a good one that maybe it's something that you're prepared to do. Well, you know, it, 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 it what about may- the fact that Eden Hill is a pending UFA? I mean, obviously the golden Knights are going to resign him, but how crazy is that? Right? Like the golden Knights are one win away from getting to the Stanley cup final. Um, you have a goaltender who's obviously in Bobrovsky is one of the highest paid goalies in the league. And then it's just funny. Cause I, I thought I'd just mention it. Cause we've talked about like, all the good goalies, like all the Vesna Trophy finalists were knocked out in the first round, right? It's been kind of the year of the comeback goaltender, right? With mm-hmm. Bobrovsky and Eden Hill. I just think that's funny because well, Eden Hill is going to get a big pay bump. It's been the year, I mean, with the exception of Bobrovsky, of course, but it's been the year of let's make our goaltenders' lives easier by putting a, a stack defense in front of them. You know, uh, uh, you know, which makes a lot of sense. So then, you know, for for some of these teams, which obviously have high quality defense, if you can then add another goaltender of, of, of elite status in Connor Hellebuck, then I think you're really feeling as though you're you're confident with with what you're going with. I mean, there's a reason why Kenny uh, and you know maybe we'll link it in the chat so people, if they haven't been able to see it yet, why Ken wrote an article almost directly. It's in the morning papers. Oh, they can go. link it there. There you go. It's in the, on illegalcurve.com. Check out the morning papers. Sorry, Dave. I you need those clicks. That. Um, but, you know, there's an article really where Ken's playing uh, Monty Hall. Let's make a deal between the Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, because of, you know, it seems to be the uh, some 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 pieces that fit there, whether it be goaltending, whether it be a, another top line forward, be it Shifley or be it Dubois, because what's Carolina? I mean, now Carolina, of course, got to the final four. They did so without you know, two of their best goal scorers and Svechnikov and Patchy already. But does that mean that they want to go out and they want to further augment that? Do they want to further insulate uh, their team? I mean, Mark Shifley doesn't strike me as a fit for the Carolina Hurricanes with their insistence on defensive responsibility. But doesn't Pierre-Luc Dubois sort of sound like he could fit there potentially? He seems like way more of a, a Hurricanes player than, uh, than Mark Shifley does. Just interesting, the, the ties that bind uh, as we're rapidly approaching the end of the 2023 season and then the silly season with the free agency and the draft and the trade market heating up, everything else like that rapidly approaching as the calendar flips from May to June this coming week. When we come back, more Jets talk. Scott Billick, our good friend, he joins us on the show coming up coming up next but before we go to break i want to make mention of course the upcoming rady jewish community center the rady jcc annual sports dinner is coming up on monday june the 19th it's going to be featuring three classic members of the chicago blackhawks chris chelios ed belfour jeremy roenick Illegal Curve is proud to be one of the sponsors of the Rady JCC 49th Annual Sports Dinner. Tickets available currently, RadyJCC.com. Get them soon. I know it's selling rapidly. I know tickets are going to be out in the mail. So if you're wavering, it's one of the best dinners on the events calendar 
in Winnipeg. You get to hear from Chelios, Ronick, and Ed Belfour with a free microphone is going to be a wild experience. Tickets available, RadyJCC.com. We'll be there. We hope to see you there as well. Great sports auction, as you guys know. There's always some unbelievable NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA merchandise, and also not sure i i don't know if i've mentioned this to you guys yet each one of us is going to be paired up there's three members of a legal curve three former chicago blackhawks so dave m's obviously going to go with hall of fame defenseman chris chelios i'll be tipping a few back with eddie the eagle and drew will be spending the night with jeremy Roenick. yeah not a word of what as he just said uh is true in fact the blackhawks have written it in their contract to avoid us at all causes but the part about the merchandise and if you're a memorabilia hunter this is the place to be dave can party that. with chelly when we come back, Scott Billick is going to join us Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Don't go anywhere. Half past the hour. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg. Hopefully somebody can track down our good friend Scott Billick. He's going to join us momentarily for some additional Jets talk as we are getting closer and closer to the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Scotty texted me. He's just running a few errands. So we'll have to find out what those errands are. Maybe he's... You know, doing some birthday present shopping. I have no idea, but we'll have to find out. Okay, fair enough. Like, is he coming onto the show or is he just ignoring us and doing the errands instead? Is yeah, it- he basically, Scotty texted me and said, listen, I love you guys. I love yeah. joining you guys on Saturday mornings, but I'm going to run these errands. They're more important. No, Scotty said he's going to sign in basically in the next couple minutes. So Okay, fair enough. We can accept that from Scotty. Uh, what I did want to make mention is that uh, I had a great meeting and a great lunch yesterday with uh, the good folks from Boston Pizza, Andrew specifically from Boston Pizza. And I can't say too much just yet, folks. But what I can little tease you with for the upcoming season, for the 23-24 season, is that you'll be seeing a lot more of us in person at your local Boston Pizza. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Fishbowls for Spencey and I. <laughs> more details to come as we get closer to the start of the next season. But you'll see a lot more of the three of us and our three mugs at our your local Boston Pizza. More details to come when this season begins. But always appreciate the support of our good friends from Boston Pizza. Also appreciate the support from our good friend, Scott Billick, who is looking at something more interesting off camera rather than me. I'm trying to retweet your tweet. Oh, you're trying to retweet my tweet. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. That's very well, nice of you. Also, Scott, good. that was really quick that you got back from uh, Pet Value or wherever you were running your errands. Uh, yeah. Uh, nature called. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's uh, Yeah. Coffee yeah. worked its magic a little bit quicker than you expected it to. Is that is that I what just I can started? Do? I just started the coffee, so okay. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you guys need coffee mugs, and then I would. Uh... Do you have uh, coffee mugs? I we don't have coffee mugs. Okay, I think right, we're more right. we're more beer well, style. I'm not like Contigo here. I'm rocking well, I think with you Contigo. Need branded coffee the, mugs. This is the oh. brand. I'm rocking the K and R one. So yeah, well, that's a beauty. The chattel, like yeah, so it even says wake up or whatever on it. So there you go. Yeah. How do I get one of those from the Kenny and Rennie shop? uh maybe yeah i don't know if they still have them i mean these are these are a couple years old now but anyways yeah good morning scott Scotty's just rubbing it in now he's just rubbing yeah. it in that he's got a yeah. k&r mug that's right that's right this is exclusive the, yeah the coffee tastes better out of that doesn't it yeah yeah everything tastes good right now so that's great go. Yeah. It's good. It's sunshine and rainbows for everybody that's how are you my friend it's been uh, i haven't seen you since uh, in the last little bit things are going well Things are well, yeah. It's not not a lot, not a lot of hockey. Um, nope. So that's been 
uh, it's been a nice break, let's say. It's been nice just to kind of watch like the playoffs and whatever, and kind of just enjoy um, the game rather than just kind of covering it and and whatever. So yeah, that's been good. And then bombers and sea bears. Yeah, tonight. Sea bears. Yeah, the opener tonight. So. I'll be biggest, at that, but uh, biggest crowd in CEBL history, uh, yes. in downtown Winnipeg tonight, yes, yeah, yeah, but uh, by a lot too, yeah, probably by in the end, I'm guessing by about 3,000 fans, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it never ends with sports around here, no, and never we, a lull. So. Which we'd like to announce the debut of the illegal screen uh, basketball show that's going to be there starting up later on uh, uh, this morning. No, I'm joking, I know nothing about I'm actually one of the I, I'm, I'm embarrassingly bad at basketball. It's, isn't it's, your wife like a University of Kentucky alum or something like that? Like, isn't basketball their thing? It is their thing, and I love yeah. UK and, and everything else, but I cannot yeah. for the life of me. Like, I'll be – my son loves basketball, so we'll be outside, you know, shooting hoops. And it, it's like I have no touch whatsoever when it comes to basketball. It's <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's it's actually embarrassing. I don't know why. But, but you don't dribble reason, with two hands, though, right? You still dribble with one hand. I still dribble with one hand, yeah. yeah. I can <laughs> dribble with one hand, but I can't shoot if, if for, the, for the life of me. And in, in any yeah. event, yeah, the I don't think the people, the good people at the Sea Bears are calling me up to uh, join the <laughs> He's roster. no Dave Manute. Dave's like the Kyrie Irving of Winnipeg. <laughs> Hopefully maybe Jeez. a little, yeah, you know, maybe a little less racist or something, you know, in, in an ideal world. But Is he uh, racist? Something. Okay, I didn't know that. He's, Let's he's pick a quite, different player. Michael Jordan. Quite, I was going to say, Kyrie's quite anti-Semitic, actually. Yeah, I was so, going to say yeah. that, as he? But, okay, I, mean, I didn't yeah, know that. Okay. <laughs> I, I did not know that. That's not good. That's not funny. It's okay, um, Scott. So am I. <laughs> Scotty, let's get the we'll let's call Brith after the show. <laughs> um, you mentioned watching the playoffs, and you know, we were yeah. talking about this before. And you know, watching the final four teams, is there anything that you think the Jets are 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 watching these four teams do and saying that's something we need to emulate, or that's something that we need to factor into our uh postseason off-season plans and the roster changes and things like that? Or do you think that it's just you know what ha- I know because you know we, we talked about it. It's a copycat league. One team does something, they succeed with it. Every other team decides that has to be the model we follow. Do you think the Jets are are are, are adopting that approach in, in any way, or do you think the Jets are still sort of off on their on their island, still trying to squeeze something out of something that many people would say is officially empty? Well, it's funny you say that because I I kind of say that I, I wonder that to myself every year, like. Every year you get deeper into the playoffs, you see how difficult it is to win, right? Like, even like, I understand that Florida swept the Carolina Hurricanes, but that wasn't, you know, your traditional sweep uh, in that sense, right? I mean, you look at Vegas. Not according to Rod Bridman, Rod Brindam or uh, Scotty? No, I know. Well, that's what I mean. Though. Like, I mean, it was, it, uh, but it, you know, to me, it's just, if, the Jets are missing a lot of what you're seeing from these teams, right? Like, just the the relentless kind of pressure that you need to keep up game after game after game, right? The accountability. Like, you, you listen to Vegas, and after losing to to, to Dallas in game four a uh, couple nights ago, um, and, you know, you kind of, you know, that's how a team should respond after losing, right? Like, you're up three nothing, and you still want, um, you know, you, you don't think you were the better team on the night, or you didn't want it enough, or whatever. Like you, you say the right things, and you know, one of the things about the Jets that I always felt was they just never really said the right things, especially well, especially when it came to the playoffs, right? It was always 
more seem to be kind of damage control instead of kind of really owning up to what they didn't do or right or you know we were close and well close doesn't cut it in the playoffs i mean just you know just ask rod brindamore right like mm-hmm. you know and and the hurricanes it doesn't matter if you're you know arguably even the better team in the series uh, um you know analytically and all that you, you still lost and you lost in four games so it, it takes a special breed of, of of team to kind of make it this far and to to keep going i mean look at vegas i mean they're doing it with no goaltender really to speak of i mean they are they have they've had great goaltending but they're getting i mean that's the thing right like there's heroes across the board for all of these teams whether it's matthew kachuk or brandon montour in that one game playing nearly an hour of ice time like you you can always look at 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 a at a team that's winning and, and see like moments of miracles and moments of um you know just heroic efforts and stuff like that and you know, when I look at the Jets team, I'm like, how do, how do you kind of, it's hard to compare because the Jets just don't have a lot of those things right now. Uh, you can look at Florida or Vegas or Dallas or whatever, and you can see, like, um, you know, specific identities for each of these teams, which the Jets don't really have. And 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 these teams, when when they lose, and, and you know, obviously Florida hasn't lost a lot since the first round. Um, but you can see kind of how they react to it. I mean, you can see how Vegas reacts, like I mentioned earlier, how Dallas is reacting to it, right? Like, you know, trying to be unfazed by being 3 nothing down and putting up their best, you know, probably their best effort of that series in game four to keep it going, right? And, you know, you look at the Jets in the first round, and they're down 3-1, and their worst effort came in the game that eliminated them. So, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's just you, the Jets don't have – they don't have that – I don't know. Maybe, maybe heart is is the word, the lack of a better term. But they just they they're not built like a like a playoff team. You know, I, I think that's maybe one of the things that you look at Florida and Paul Maurice's team and say, yeah, I mean they squeaked in during the regular season, and and arguably they were a you know they were a, a Pittsburgh Penguin or a, a Chicago Blackhawks goal away from not even being in the playoffs, right? And then, um, but. You know, you can look at Florida and you're like, man, these guys are built to play in the playoffs. Like they, they're relentless on the forecheck. Um, I mean, obviously they've they've been pretty lucky with injuries and all that. Um, but you know, they they just have that tenacity of a playoff team, and it just it it's so consistent from them. Um, which which is it, it's, I mean, that's a whole different conversation altogether because we didn't always see this with Paul Maurice's Winnipeg Jets. Um, but I mean, I think at the end of the day. You know the Florida Panthers under Paul Maurice just have all their players pulling in the same direction, and that's why, again another thing that the Jets don't have is it. Not everybody, you know, uh, what, what did the what did Rick Bonus say? You know, teams kind of or players kind of going off on their own and that sort of thing throughout the year. Again, I don't. I think for you to kind of get to where you are, these teams are right now. Um, everybody's got to be pulling in the right direction, and again, that's another issue with the Jets too. So. There's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of things that the Jets are missing from personnel to kind of a, an established kind of identity and a way to play um, and, and, and kind of bolstering your, your roster with those types of players and that sort of thing. Um, so there, there's that on top of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just watch these games and I'm like, I mean, I'm sure people in the chat too watch these games and, and, and think, you know, the Jets are probably, you know, quite a ways from this kind of level of play that's required to, right. to 
Mm-hmm. And when, when's the last time we really saw that? I mean, 2018, right? I mean, that's probably the last time that we really saw this team kind of be able to kind of handle that, have an identity. I mean, you look at game seven of the Western or of the second round against Nashville. I mean, you could see a Jets team. It was just a kind of a heavy team to play against. They were, you know, they, they were dogged in, in, in their pursuit of, of winning that. And obviously it went kind of south and, in the Western final and whatever, but like the Jets just haven't gotten back to that in a playoff series and in, in, in a, you know, really in a season, um, <clears throat> in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it's like you said, so, Scotty, right? Like yeah. I think there's some parallels between the Jets and the Oilers and the Leafs, right? When you, when you talk about the core four of all of these teams, right? Obviously the Oilers are different in the sense that Dreisaitl and McDavid are the two best players in the world. But when you're talking about the Leafs with Marner, Matthews, Tavares, uh, Nylander, and he could throw in, you know, some other talented players as well, like Riley. But I think you're right when you say that the, what it takes to win in the playoffs, we say this every year, but there's less penalties called. It's more about one-on-one battles. It's more about how teams adapt, right? And yeah. you could look Dark at the Boston shirt. Bruins at what did they have, 125 points, and then they get knocked out in, in the first round. So, I mean, it's a reminder that just because you have the best team on paper, that means absolutely nothing. It's who is willing to sacrifice, block shots, do whatever it takes. And like the Florida Panthers momentum has been building since that first round against the Bruins, right? Like they just seem like that quote unquote team of destiny this year. But I wanted to go back to the Carolina Hurricanes um, and just take a, take a few moments to have a couple of coughs. We don't want you coughing. uh, I muted myself. There you go. Yeah. Good use of the mute button, Scotty. But I wanted to go back to the Hurricanes, right? Because we were talking about that. And, you know, it's another year of disappointment with the Hurricanes, right? And you can't not mention Max Pacioretty and Andrei Svechnikov because those are two top players, especially when you're talking about Svechnikov because obviously Pacioretty didn't play a lot during the regular season. But when you talk about the Hurricanes, we know that Antti Ranta and Freddie Anderson are both pending UFAs. Like, do you think that – do you see a possible trade? I realize that's the big $64,000 question because trading Hellebuck a year ago would have seemed absurd, right? But, like – do you see Carolina being a, a, a team that would really go hard after Hellebuck? And and what what would your return be? Like you see Marty Natchez, you know, Brett Pesci's in the conversation. Like yeah. could Seth Jarvis, the Winnipeg kid, could he be involved? Like what, what's your take on the a, a possible Jets-Hurricanes deal here? Well, I mean, anything that the Hurricanes do that's big starts with Tom Dunn and their owner, right? Like the philosophy in Carolina, and you can go back and read all the Carolina writers write about this, but – they're not willing to overspend on players. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're not really willing to kind of even, you know, go all in and spend a lot of assets to buy a lot of things, right? Especially at the trade deadline. Like one of the questions that that came out of the Carolina Hurricanes losing in the in the Eastern final there was should they have done more at the trade deadline? I mean, to kind of find a goal scorer. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> you know, with Svechnikov out and and even Patch Reddy, I mean, he didn't really play a lot this season, but it was Svechnikov, losing Svechnikov, they lost their kind of their, their goal score, and they were able to defense their way through the first couple of rounds um, because that's how good they are. I mean, that team is the best defensive team in the NHL, in my opinion. Um, but when it came to they needed that goal, they needed that kind of goal score on the team, they didn't really, you know, end up finding it. And and so, you know, I, I, I think one of the things with Carolina is they don't really need the best goalie in the world. And so I, I do wonder if that's something that they would even entertain because this team is just so good defensive with guys like Burns and Slavin. I mean, we can go down like Pesci, obviously, is one of them. And you just go down the list. This team has has built an all-world kind of defense. So, um, 
but I think there's room for a guy like Mark Shifley potentially. But again, you know, I think word also travels around this this league quickly, and 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 you, and and you don't really have to even word. You can just watch, like you know, you can 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 Carolina bring in a Mark? Shifley? And here's the other thing, like I mean, does Carolina want to just pay overspend? I guess for one year of Mark Shifley, are they even willing to kind of commit long term to a to a guy that's obviously a proven goal scorer and a proven um, you know a playoff contributor when he when he's healthy in the playoffs or not getting suspended. Um, you know, there, there's those things. So, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, like I'm, I'm sure there, 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 there's possibilities, right? But I mean, I think when when you're thinking about the Carolina Hurricanes, what they wanted, I think, at one point was Nikolai Ehlers, right? Like they're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, that again, another sort of almost playmaker that can score. That's that would fit into their kind of you know analytic heavy kind of yeah. system like sorry and, scott and i forgot to mention that ehlers is untouchable oh. wow okay yeah and and i understand that too so uh you know so is there a big trade with, with carolina i don't know i mean i saw kenny wrote a wrote a story on that in Sportsnet and and the potential but you listen to the people in in carolina talk about how kind of um almost adverse to spending and overspending and, and, and really, I mean, you know, you look at Dougie Hamilton as a prime example, like they just weren't willing to pay him the money that, um, that he wanted in free agency. So they lost him, Right. I mean, that's, it, it, it's kind of one of those things that um, this team tries to win a certain way and their way of doing it is not overspending and not, and, and not, and not going about it that way. So, to see them, you know, potentially pony up ten million a year to Connor Hellebuck, let's say, isn't really my. Uh, it's not what I think that they're going to end up doing. Um, but you know, I, I, I do agree. Like their philosophy has worked to a, a certain extent, right? They've made Eastern Final a few times and and that sort of thing. But you know, at some point, you got to say, okay, well, we have a really good kind of formula here that that gets us far in the playoffs and. We're, we're really good in the regular season, but what, what is going to push that team over the edge, right? Or like push that team over the, over the hump. And, and um, yeah, it's probably going to be kind of going out of that comfort zone on the way that you kind of pay players. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, you also have to think, well, maybe, you know, is it different if they had Svechnikov, right? I mean, and that's the one, you know, I, you could say that about every team, right? Every team that loses in the playoffs, would we would have been better with this guy, um, you know, if he wasn't out of the lineup, right? And you know that, that that's just kind of the way it goes. I mean, the Jets will will say the same thing about Josh Morrissey. They have said the same thing about Josh Morrissey or or whatever. So um, well, you know, but you know, yeah, to answer your question, I, I I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on Carolina being the team to go out and just kind of um, yeah overspend on all these players just because they lost a playoff series, like. This has happened before, and they've made kind of not subtle moves because Pacioretty and 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 those types of players aren't aren't subtle moves, but they're not they're going, going out in free. Yeah, but they're not really going out in free agency and really kind of you know overspending or um, you know winning a bidding war to to get you know big name players. I think I think they they're they're a great team at finding talent like I mean just think of like a guy like Jordan Martinuk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I mean that guy was you know a really good player in the playoffs and they had him on waivers at one point. Nobody even picked him up. So he made, he made a lot of money for himself. Uh yeah. So yeah I just the agency. Right. Yeah. So I, I just think you know that there's something about the hurricanes that's just not the same as a lot of other teams. We're 
Whereas like a team like Toronto will go out and they'll buy the best player they can and maybe two of them, right? I mean, you know, that that's the way that they that Toronto has worked, at least under Kyle Dubas. But but Carolina's a little more methodical on how they do things and and they they search for very specific players that, that will play um that will play well under yeah, fit the mold under especially under Rob Brindamore's kind of uh and, and like that, you know, to me that speaks to what the Jets need to do eventually. Is once they actually figure out what they want, like what's the vision for this team, and we still don't know an answer to that. But once you actually know how you want your team to play, so one thing that Tampa Bay Lightning are really good at is that they, they they figured out what their team was, and then they also figured out what they wanted their team to play and how they you know, what they want to, and then they went out and specifically got those players. They targeted those players. They went and they got them, whether it was the Hagels or the Coleman's or. Or whatever, right? And those, yeah, and yeah, and they went and got those players. I mean, Corey Perry and whoever. You know, you can go down the list of guys that they've been like, okay, wait, we <laughs> feel, like team, yeah, right. You know, guys that we, you know, they feel like they they can kind of, you know, these are what we need. We need an energy guy, so they go and get an Esimon who you know turns, you know, you know Esimon's even a, you know a great example. It's like, okay, well, we just want this guy that can maybe go out there have some energy and whatever, and then they turn it into a two year contract. So. Like I, I think they're the one thing that Jets miss overall more than anything here is like knowing exactly what they need and then going out and getting it. And I, I get it; it's harder to do in this market. But um, you know, this team needs to build a team the way that championship-winning teams build their teams. And oftentimes, it's you know, we need this guy, and we're going to go out and get this guy. You know, and 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 that's basically that's what we're doing. You know, Tampa is not a team that's really gone out at the trade deadline and got the biggest name they've got you know part of that is their cap situation but part of it is just you know they're so good at times that they just need to plug a few holes and try and or even strengthen some of the ones that they already have so yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting to see how other teams kind of build themselves and kind of where the jets are maybe kind of lacking in that sense because we don't really know at this point what the jets want to be Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, and our guest from the Winnipeg Sun, Scott Billick, talking about the Winnipeg Jets. Scotty, two weeks ago, you wrote about the five storylines to watch this offseason on the Winnipeg Sun. One mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about was number five, about the defense. What yeah. the Jets are going to do with that young core of guys who are coming up, no longer waiver-exempt in the Declan Chisholm. Billy Hainola obviously has the one year. What do you see them doing? Because they've got a glut on the left side. Got to figure out what they're going to do with Logan Stanley. And, uh, you know, so what, what? how do you see it playing out for next year? Well, I think Logan Stanley is probably gone, right? I mean, you know, he asked for a trade at the trade deadline. And but that gets you what? He stays with the Jets for another three years until, until it's completely done. That's probably true, but... You know, the fact is they played him the game right after, and then they just didn't really play him again, right? Like, I mean, they played him when they had to, obviously, when, when Morrissey got injured. But <clears throat> I, I think that's – yeah, I think that ship's probably sailed. Um, so, you know, that opens up a spot. But that doesn't open us up a spot in the top six uh, either, right? Because I think we all know that, you know, Dylan Sandberg is at, at the very least uh, on that third pairing and, and, and arguably potentially in the top four next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, we, we can go on to Dylan Sandberg probably should have just been playing all year. 
Um, but you know, and then, but this is the thing, right? I mean, this is the same. We're just going to have the same kind of conversation at the moment about guys like Declan Chisholm and, and Billy Hanel. And, and the problem with Billy is because he's waiver exempt. And you know, Dave and I were talking about this in the press box during the Winnipeg Ice series, and you know, it's probably the reason why you know Billy probably spends another year in the minors if he doesn't get traded, right? Is just because you know he has that waiver exempt status and. We know how the Jets type, uh, you know, like to use that, and and the fact that right now, you know, they they still have Brendan Dillon, they still have Nate Schmidt. Um, I don't know if they're willing to move a guy like Neil Pion, and I don't know if they can move a guy like Nate Schmidt just because of his contract. Um, you know, we, we saw Nate Schmidt this year probably become the team's third pairing defenseman. Um, and, and, you know, kind of full-time, like, I, I don't think Nate Schmidt really got better this year. And <clears throat> that's a problem because you're paying the guy nearly $6 million a year to be on your third pairing. That's, that, that, that's going to be a tough one. And, you know, I love Nate Schmidt. He's a really nice guy. Obviously everybody, you know, he, the guy that you see, um, that fans see, you know, kind of on the, on TV or post game, that's exactly what he's like in, in, in real life. Like Nothing really changed there with Nate Schmidt, but you know, as good as he is as a person, I mean, uh, this is a, this is a results-based business, and Nate Schmidt got sat one time this year. Um, you know, it was a big storyline, and so I, I, I oh, the one I wonder. I mean, is Nate Schmidt a guy that you that you trade? And the other problem with that is, like, you know, so like, it, it's funny to me because the Jets have kind of built this kind of. It's probably happened organically at times, but like, you know. I, you get a guy like Nate Schmidt to kind of come to Winnipeg and, and play here. And like the idea of trading him almost seems counterintuitive to kind of what you're trying to do is getting guys to like want to be in Winnipeg and that sort of thing. And so if you just trade him off, but like at the end of the day, I mean, the loyalty and that sort of thing has to come secondary to, 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 to the wanting to win. And, Moving a guy like Nate Schmidt opens the door for Declan. It opens the door for potentially, you know, uh, you know, a good camp battle with him and, and with Declan and, and Billy. And and there's legitimately a spot in the NHL left over for those guys. And you know, that was one of the things this year with with Dylan Sandberg and and all that, like and and Logan Stanley and and, and Billy at one point was like, you know, there was a spot open, but it felt like that that battle went on all year long. And and by the time that that Dylan Samberg finally took it over. It was so late in the season, right? And you're just like, you'd like to have a little more runway as a young player just to kind of get your kind of feet under you. And I, and I thought Dylan Samberg handled it so well. Um, you know, the ups and downs, being sat, watching Logan Stanley play over you some nights or Billy, really, you know, earlier in the season, at least on some nights. So, Do the Jets have to I consider think, moving him up, Scotty? Like, oh, yeah. Like, like I mean, Chisholm. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I think, you know, Dave would obviously know much better because he's watched Declan Chisholm probably more than anybody, period. I'm not joking. Like, he knows Declan Chisholm's game, uh, you know, yeah. in and out. He's, you know, what, Dave, 23 years old now. I think you would agree that okay, Chisholm is, is ahead of Enola. But you know what I mean, Scotty? Like, obviously, you know, this isn't a Sammy Niku situation because Sammy Niku doesn't no. have the, the ceiling that Vili Hanola has. But it seems like... Unless you trade one of Neil Pionk, Nate Schmidt, or Brendan Dillon, it's going to be the same situation again. And I, I feel like, you know, again, I'm not saying that Vili Hanala is Miro Heiskin, and I'm not saying that, you know, he's 
an established top 20 defenseman in the NHL. But like, if you don't think that he's ready at this point and you still don't think Declan Chisholm is ready at this point, like you're going to have another situation where a guy just doesn't get that NHL experience. So like, is that not on the table right now that you're going to move on from Vili Hanel if you're not going to move one of those yeah. veteran defensemen? hundred percent. And, and, you know, I, I think one of the things with Vili is like, so his future might even be tied to the futures of Pierre-Luc Dubois or, or Shifley or somebody that you trade at, at potentially the draft even or before the draft where you're like, okay, we're trying to make this deal work and who knows. It, does Vili Heinle become a part of a Blake Wheeler trade that sheds the entire contract of Blake Wheeler off the Winnipeg Jets roster to a team that can take him for you know that final year of the of his of his contract, right? You know that the the sweetener, so to speak. Um, uh, you know, and I you know I, I know fans, some fans kind of balk at the, the idea that you're going to have to like, um, you're not going to get anything in return for Blake Wheeler. But I mean, the idea, the return for Blake Wheeler is the cap space you free up, right? So, um, and 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 so there's, so do you have to give? Do you, do you, do you trade a guy like Villy to an Arizona or I don't know a Chicago? Somebody somebody who can eat that contract for the next year and 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 the entirety of it. I, I don't know, um, but I do. I think you kind of have to crap or get off the pot with Villy. Like, at what point? You know, like I mean, I get it. I mean, this team, this is a Jets team that prides itself on team control. Just don't, just not if you're Eric Comrie or or Alex Johnson, Axel Johnson, Fialbi, <laughs> right? But um, but no, but this is a team that you know historically has has um, pr- yeah, pride itself on team control, and uh, you know, so that's often meant you know, guys, some guys stay in the minors um, a lot longer than maybe they should be, or or at least a lot of people want to um, want them to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are you gonna like? How do you what do you, if you're really like? It just kills a guy's confidence, doesn't it? Like, does that not what it does? Like, if if Billy goes in the next season without even really a, a good, you know, a, having a, a sniff at winning a, a roster spot, like because you haven't changed much on your blue line, or or, or you know, like, or or if Declan Chisholm is just going to be played over you because of the fact, like, uh, you know, it could be merit, of course, of, uh, and but you know, if it's just because one guy doesn't have the um, one guy doesn't have the roster, the waiver exemption. I mean, that's how many, how many hits uh, if you're really handling are you going to take before you're like, okay, like I mean, I just I need to try somewhere else. Um, and you know, I, I see some people in the chat saying, you know, Billy's a lot like Sammy. I'm like, no, th- th- there's no chance of that. And 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 I'll tell people why quickly. Billy Hanel after this end of the season, I watched this thing. Dave was telling me to watch it after the thing. The moose kind of availability and. Um, you know, you can tell that Billy and, and I had a good chat with Billy in Buffalo. I want to say it was this year when he got back into the lineup for one game. But my best chat that I had about Billy was with Brendan Dillon and and talking because Brendan Dillon was sort of taking Billy under his wing while he was up in the NHL. And you know, Brendan came through the same way in in a sense that you know he had to work out of the AHL and and make it into the NHL and work his way into the league and being a mainstay. So. Billy was really kind of tapping into kind of Brendan Dillon and the way that he kind of came up in the league. Um, and so that, that wasn't like that, that, it, that showed to me, like that showed way more than Sammy Niku ever showed to me. Right. Like the one thing about Sammy Niku and, and, you know, we can say, you know, he was a great guy and in, um, you know, in the AHL, one AHL, what was it? Rookie of the year and defenseman of the year, whatever it was. 
but he didn't have the drive. And and I see the drive in Billy, right? Like that's the difference. Billy has come to camp bigger, I would say, every year. Um, this year especially, like I looked at Billy Hanlock again, this guy put on some, you know, some weight. And it might not be the weight maybe required to be a, you know, a, a heavy defenseman in the NHL, but I don't think Billy's ever gonna be that. But you you can see Billy the way that he comes in every year, like he's trying to do what I think is being asked of him, whether it's bulking up or becoming a, you know, a smarter defensive player or whatever. Like, I think you see those things. So, um, but the way that Brendan Dillon kind of talked about Philly, like it, it felt to me that, that Billy was in the right headspace, even though he wasn't, um, and he had the right people around him to kind of deal with the ups and downs of, of kind of, you know, toiling in the minors and being that kind of young guy that, that just hasn't gotten that um, maybe that 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 full time opportunity uh, just yet. So that that's the one thing that's different about him and, and and Sammy. And so I I think the Jets realize that too. Like I, I just I do wonder at the end of the day, it, it just becomes this this almost cyclical thing with the Jets where they you know they just leave guys around because they have the the chance to do it. And now with Declan coming up, you 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 have to find a spot for him or um, you know, likely you're going to lose them on, on, on waivers, right? And and it's just not going to work. So I don't know. I, I I'm I'm curious to see what they do because like I look at this defense and and they ran it back this year with them because I think the way that Chevaldeoff saw last season, like not this past one, but the one you know the one before where they missed the playoffs, it's like yeah, well you lose your head coach of eight years midway through the season, and then they never get it together under Dave Lowry. Right. So you bring a new head coach in and, and, but again, we're still in the same, so we're still asking a lot of the same questions at the end of this season as we were last year. And so to me, something has to give on the blue line, but I, I'm not entirely sure what it is. And and that's part of the problem because what you think is the best move for the jets on the blue line might be the hardest one to make. And that's and, a good point. You know, and, and so yeah, and that's just like you know, it's it's really just kind of the reality. If you wanted to move Nate Schmidt or Brendan Dillon, um, because those are probably the two, well, you want to probably move Nate Schmidt just because his contract and Brendan Dillon's garnered interest throughout his time here in Winnipeg. You know, trade deadlines and off seasons and whatnot. So, I think you could move a guy like Brendan Dillon, but Brendan Dillon, you know, to me was one of their best playoff defensemen in terms of the way that he kind of turned up. Well, that's what I mean. It doesn't, yeah. right? I mean. You're, you're, yeah, like you're, 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 I, and what's that? Uh, there's like a phrase, but addition by subtraction. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not, you're not, you're right. You're not making your team better by getting rid of one of your guys that you can really count on. And, and, and Brendan Dillon was sort of the guy in the playoffs. Like that's almost how you want your team to be tenacious, heavy, hit, you know, checking. We're seeing this in all these series. Like, well, you know, the big hits, all these things, they make a difference. Look, just look at the, the hit that, What's his name put on on, on Slavin there? Like that yeah, was just a Bennett. just a gnarly hit, Bennett, right? Like, you know, the Jets miss players like that. They don't have a Sam Bennett in the playoffs. They don't have a, a Matthew Kachuk style player, right? Where like you guys like not not I mean not everybody's gonna have a Matthew Kachuk, but you but it's just the past. Like every every shift that Matthew Kachuk plays, you could probably look back and point to one thing that he did on that shift, whether it was piss a guy off by you know, a little slash here or a nice hit or obviously a goal or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of that. And so, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's interesting. And, and 
it, it really takes me back to like I wish Kevin Chevaldeoff would have told fans something about this team that they were looking to do. Like, what do they want to become? Because you know, we're twelve years into well, we're going into year thirteen mm-hmm. of, of Kevin Chevaldeoff, and I still don't know what he wants this team to look like. And and I'm not sure what if fans know it, if you guys know it, or I'm anything. Sure else, he so knows hard it. To, well. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I'm not sure he knows it aside from, well, this guy was available, so we acquired him, and this guy was available, so we acquired him, and we're going to hopefully, you know, melt melt the pieces together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Some of this has been just like, man, I really hope these guys kind of, like, come together and and band together uh, uh, at at some point because, you know, that's kind of what they've – What's their overarching philosophy? Well, yeah. like A lot of this is eggs basket on on the core that they've had and Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing, but – I, I think they'd have no choice this summer but to blow that up, and well, part of it at least. And so, um, but we said that before too, right? We said, oh, we don't, we don't have no choice but to do this or that, and yeah. end up nothing end up happening. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think stuff still has to happen because you can't lose guys like Shifley and, and Hellebuck and, and Dubois and those guys for free. Um, we've seen how detrimental that can be to teams like, let's say, Columbus or or whatever, when they, they decided they'd keep their guys and try and make the playoffs and didn't. and Well, they did, but then they got bounced in the first round, and then it was, that's it, all your big-name players are gone for free, and you don't have anything, and you're just trying to rebuild from there. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's... Uh, I mean, maybe that, maybe that'll yeah. be how the Jets get to a rebuilding uh, well, phase. You know, it would be funny if the Jets just kind of get forced into a rebuild because, you know, that's the only option left because that's kind of what they've done with, you know, Jacob Truba or, or or Andrew Kopp, right? Like you kind of forced into this kind of corner where you really only have one option, and that's to you know to do the thing that you're forced into doing, uh, whatever that might be, trading a guy, whatever. So, yeah, it, it, it's certainly setting up for uh, an interesting off season, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. It's about two <laughs> months. It's May twenty seventh. Usually, the NHL world shuts down by the end of July, so you know you got yeah. about a two-month window now where things are going to start picking up and, and you know, the the shape of the 23-24 Jets will become more apparent to everybody. Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun, our good friend. Scotty, we'll let you get on with your weekend. Thank you, brother. Have fun yeah. with those errands, Scotty. Yeah, 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 well, too. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, and then the carpet's not for sale. I know there's the chat. I don't know if people are watching. This is stretching across all the shows. The carpet is you might have a brand jersey behind you, but you're the you're the real goat, Scott. Is that is that, is, is that a euphemism? I don't understand that no, the carpet just, is not for sale. Do you see do you see the rolled up carpet? Over oh yeah, I see a little bit of an area rug in the corner there. Every, yeah, everybody's like, I want to buy that carpet. Yesterday, I think they had a bidding war, and I was on Huss's show, and I had like a bidding war. Yeah, there we go. How many bodies? Yeah, exactly. Great, great. It's a yeah. Persian rug, right? What? It's a Persian, Persian rug. Yeah. I only roll that out for special times, so. Anyway, thank you, Scotty. I'm out of here. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Cheers, Scotty. There you go. Scott Billick joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. When we come back, more Jets talk, more playoff talk. We have Dave McCarthy joining us at the bottom of the hour for a look around the NHL. Much more to come. Don't go anywhere. It's a Saturday morning. We're live on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. 
Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. 10-15, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Big thanks to Scott Billick for joining us on the program for an always interesting discussion regarding the Winnipeg Jets, regarding the offseason for this team. As I mentioned, really about a two-month window now that the Jets are in to try and reshape this roster, if they're going to reshape this roster, uh, to, to get ready for the 2023-2024 season. Will be fascinating. I, 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 and, you know, I, th- I think Scott brings up, you know, interesting points and, and they're not necessarily unique points or points that haven't been discussed yet, but it's just the ongoing uncertainty and the ongoing confusion as to what this team is going to look like and what this team's, you know, MO is going to be for this offseason. It, 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 you know, there, there's just so it's just so unclear what the approach is. And, you know, we've talked about it, how this isn't great for the fans and this isn't great for selling season tickets and, and that it's, you know, it, you know, from our perspective, you know, it, it's a, it's a detriment to true North's efforts to put more butts in their seats at, 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 up, at upcoming games for the next season. 
but it it, it it you know it always gets brought up because it's a constant topic of conversation and there's no answer and the jets refuse to provide that answer so you're just left trying to fill in the blanks dave you're trying to you know put you know some pieces together and you're trying to you know play matchmaker and you're trying to play prognosticator about how things are going to work out but that doesn't really sell very many tickets in the, in the interim does it no, it does not. Of course, it leaves you uh, trying to piece together a roster, and and that's ultimately what we've been hearing. The Jets don't want to do right, Ezzy. They don't want to do the whole rebuild thing. They want to retool. It's the magic New York Rangers formula. Magic, I say, because you replace Henrik Lundqvist with uh, Shesterkin, and suddenly you've got yourself an amazing goaltender, a Hall of Fame goaltender, to an incredible young goaltender of the future. Um, Where's the Jets' first and second overall picks, though, Dave? exactly they don't they don't have quite they don't have quite that magic as he but yeah no i mean drew you're right and that's and that's what we've been talking about is that there is a lot of lack in this lineup and and so mm-hmm. if you're going to go from a position of strength eddie lack a, no eddie lack no eddie lack he's back in sweden i believe although he does do a lot of stuff still but but regardless it's for the moose for at least one year maybe a couple yeah we called him the lacquer back in the day but the point is that we never called him the lacquer for the record so the point is that you know, yeah, it's it's a tough situation. And again, the only area of surplus on this entire Jets roster is the left side defensive one. In terms mm-hmm. of you have you have established guys in Morrissey, Sandberg, and Dylan, and that's a very good left side of the defense where, where nobody's nobody's maligning it or complaining it. So you've got those three guys. That's perfect. Then your right side, of course, could use some work. You don't have the depth yet because a lot of the guys who are coming up. Are, are younger prospects who are going to need a few years with the moose or overseas. And then your, your question becomes, what do you do with those extra guys? I know I, I, I thank Tracy for letting her, letting um, Rollies know that she, that I see sent her, them to her from the, her to them. Would you like me to try that? Cause you seem to be choking yeah. on your struggling well, on your words there. Well, because Drew, that's, I already thanked Tracy in the chat. Okay. So you're bringing that Is up. Is Tracy going to have us over for a housewarming party? Cause I'll bring the chips. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that uh, she has no interest in having us over. And the dip. I can bring the dip as well, Drew. You know that I, I like a nice dip. You do enjoy oh, look, a, a good dip. There's no question. I'm just, anyways, the point, the, the point I'm trying to make is that you need to just deal with what you have, which is, uh, uh, again, a surplus of left side defensemen and mm-hmm. a need to augment the right side, which we've talked about, and whether that's through a trade of one of your, your top guns to, to improve and give that, that, that lineup a little bit of a shift. Because then, again, if you have... Look, we always know you need a lot of defense. So that is why the Jets like to have those guys stockpiled on the moose, especially guys who are waiver exempt, because it gives you the opportunity if there are injuries to say, okay, well, we, we got an injury here. We're going to be able to call up or use player X. But ultimately, again, from a Jets perspective, you do need to just buttress this team and, and say, how are we going to you know, ensure that we have the depth and we're not lacking? Look, Nikolai Ehlers goes down for however many games you, you lose them. Cole Pervetti goes down for how many, however many games you lose them. I mean, those are big hits to a, a team losing players in their top six, right? And that's the question is, how do you replace them? Is Daniel Torgerson ready to jump up? Is Henry Nikkinen ready to jump up? You know, Nikita Chibrikov, is he ready to jump up? And, and the answer, of course, is no, I don't think any of those guys are ready to jump up. So you don't really have, you have the defensive guys who are ready mm-hmm. and are looking to make that jump to the NHL level. You don't necessarily have the forwards yet because I think they're probably at least a year away, especially in Chibrikov's case because he hasn't even played a game in North America here yet. 
But the fact of the matter is you've got those guys who are young, are hungry. But again, like I said, I don't think they're, it's always with the Jets, it's always about that overlap. And are you going to have the right, the, the timing right so you can replace some of those guys to fill needs and then have a guy come up and play? Now, the reality right now, as I've just outlined, is that you have it on the left side of your defense, Ezzy, but you don't really have it in the forward groups yet. And you don't necessarily have it on the right side yet. So how do you fill those needs, Ez? You maybe have to make a trade or two to, to augment your team. Sure. And obviously the Nino Niederreiter acquisition is huge because that's exactly what you're talking about, right? You only had to give up a draft pick. You didn't have to give up a prospect or a roster player. And Niederreiter is a guy at the very least is going to be in your top nine. And you know, can play on, on the second line, even the first line, right, Dave? So I think, you know, Niederreiter, that's something to mention here. He's going to be a big part, we think, of, of the top six or maybe even play on the third line with like Lowry and Barron, for example, right? But I think, you know, what Drew's asking, the reason why, in addition to the fact that we've never seen this many high-profile Jets all potentially on the trade block at the same time, right? Like, you're talking about your franchise center when you're talking about Shifley. You're talking about your franchise goaltender when you're talking about Hellebuck. And you're talking about your two-center in Dubois. And obviously, Wheeler is, is with Shifley in terms of, you know, they have been that core of this team for the last 12 years. I mean, Shifley obviously... You know, came into the league a couple of years after the Jets came back, but it, it's it's that, and then it's coupled with the fact that you have players that you're not sure what their contract status is. Like we have absolutely no idea, you know, how much Hellebuck's agent has talked to Chevy and and Larry Sims, right? Like we don't know, you know, is a is a five or six year contract on the table for Mark Shifley, right? Like we don't know that. Blake Wheeler's the only guy that that doesn't fit into that type of category, right? Wheeler's not getting a long term contract. <laughs> if he did get another contract from the Jets, it would be probably for one or two years. He's not getting another contract. That's what we think, right? So, I mean, when you're talking about Dubois, Shifley, and Hellebuck, the contract status is is huge. The Jets aren't going to be able to sign all three of those players to long-term contracts, right? So that's what that's what is is complicating things. In addition to the fact, as you as you guys know, and as everybody watching and listening knows, Dubois has made it clear that he wants to be traded to one team. So again, we don't know if anything's changed since a year ago, but everything we've heard, right, is that PLD wants to go to Montreal. He's from Quebec. He wants to play uh, in his home province, right? So that's complicating things. So you hear that, you know, the New Jersey Devils might have be after Hellebuck or the Carolina Hurricanes might be after Hellebuck or maybe even the Boston Bruins, the Detroit Red Wings, right? Like you could probably name another five or six teams, um, but we have absolutely no idea if, that team could even work considering that the Jets most likely would have to have a goaltender coming back. Like what's the likelihood guys that the Jets trade Hellebuck for, let's say, you know, a, a roster player, whether that's a forward or defenseman, a prospect, and let's say a draft pick. And then they go out and they acquire a, a goaltender on the UFA market. Like first off that that's risky because you have to, you know, be pretty sure, certain that you have a good chance of, of signing that UFA goaltender. So most likely a goaltender is going to have to come back if you're trading Hellebuck. And well, same thing goes I mean, for Shifley and Dubois. You have to have if, a center coming back. If you're trading Hellebuck, you know, and again, the, you know, you, you have to figure out what his future is. So if you're trading Hellebuck, you have to completely reshape. I mean, and you should reshape how you play regardless, even if you keep Hellebuck. It, it's evident that you cannot just ride a goalie all season long, eventually that goalie wears out. So, you know, having a strategy of Connor Hellebuck and then hope and pray just doesn't work on a, you know, for for any longer than the regular season. That only works for Florida, right? 
Bob, well, but, hope and pray. And that's I'm obviously joking. That's happening right now. What Bobrovsky's doing is, is incredible. But I mean, it just as easily could run out, uh, you know, in Game One of the Stanley Cup Final. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so you know, again, the Jets. And I, it's also and very I think, Drew. It's also very reminiscent of what Holpe did for the Capitals, where the Capitals, where he didn't even start as the Capitals goaltender right. of the playoffs, got in, played phenomenal, they win the Stanley Cup, and then of course he's dealt in his decline. Is is there? Right. But you know, you, you're looking at this Jets team. I mean, they really need to. I th- they need to re-examine how they're built top to bottom because they're clearly not as good a team one through 12 up front, one through six on the back end. And, uh, you know, as, as the teams that are currently still playing in the Stanley Cup finals, you know, and I know injuries, this and injuries, that, but you can't tell me that they are built for playoff hockey. They're not even built for that much regular season success. As we saw, they faded pretty damn quickly there when the games got going. Don't believe me, believe the head coach that said basically the same thing. So if you're not built for success, what are you built for? Or if you're not built for Stanley Cup level of success, what are you built for? Well, since 2019, Drew, you're right. Since 2019, this team has been built to be a first-round exit team, right? Like the bubble was the only time that they've had any success. Since that 2017-18 run, which we all agree was an incredible run, the Jets almost got to the Stanley Cup final, obviously ran into Marc-Andre Fleury and the Mm -hmm. Golden Knights. But, I mean, since 2019, it's been – you know, one and done against the Blues. It's been one and done versus the Golden Knights, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, right now this team is isn't built for a long playoff run, so and I think not, you could point if you're to not you, built for a long playoff run. Then you're not really being built properly. You know, like nobody drives, nobody wants to drive a car that only works within the city, and once you have to get up to highway driving speed, the car falls apart. It just doesn't, you know. And, and that's what the Jets are built for right now. They're built for. I know, just want a Tesla. Okay, well, that's your business. I mean, again, you have a birthday coming up, Drew. Maybe you can buy me one. I'm not really, but you're really nailing your references of all those who are a little bit controversial, I'd say, with some of their takes between your Kyrie Irving comment and now your Tesla Elon Musk comment, as he might. Is he controversial? I guess he is pretty controversial. He's pretty controversial. You might want to brush up on some of the current affairs uh, every now and then. I haven't been following. I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really pay attention. I don't follow Elon Musk. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll I'll take your word for it. But you can Teslas are still cool it. cars. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't saying that Elon Musk is a great guy. I'm just saying that I think it would be cool to drive a Tesla. That's well, all. I'm sure, saying. you can get a Tesla if you want one. I mean, I, I, I look can't forward afford to, one. I don't have that new know, Dell type of money. What are you talking put, about? Put put you put your mind together. You know, you know, figure out a plan, and I'm sure you too can drive a Tesla. I'm a Nissan Sentra driver, Drew. I don't drive a Lambo like you. My point being, if you would shut up for a second, my point being, Dave, I'll mute Ezzy and you can talk now, is that, you know, to my analogy there, I, I just still don't know what the Jets are built for or what the 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 end game is for how the Winnipeg Jets currently are. It just seems like they're a bunch of pieces that they put together, as we talked about with Scott. You know, it's like watching me make a cake. Well, I don't know how to make a cake, so I'm going to take this from the cupboard. I'll add a little vanilla, and I'll add some flour, and I'll add some chocolate. What's that, tapioca? Sure, we'll throw some tapioca in there. We have leftover Costco cake from Ariella's birthday, Drew. I'll drop it off after the show. I thought we muted him, but to Dave, so I think you understand what my my, my, my point is, is that they're just, they're just a, a mix of pieces with no actual overarching strategy that's evident to me sure i mean and again i think that was part of what we asked you know of kevin shovel day off was to what was the vision what is the vision of this team how are you gonna 
you know, great. How are you going to bake that cake and make it look and taste spectacular? Because you don't want to eat something. I'm going to tell you how to bake a cake, Drew. I mean, Dave. <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't want to just have something that's just going to be nothing but no joy. There won't be any joy in eating that cake. It'll just be empty calories. So that's that's what Jets fans are looking for is, is to see how you're going to compile this team and how you're going to bring make it do what it's able to do. You can't rest on your laurels and say, well, you know what? In 1718, we went to the Western Conference Finals. That was a long time ago. And again, you had success against the Edmonton Oilers, and nobody's going to complain about that. Nobody in Winnipeg is going to complain about sweeping the Edmonton Oilers in a, in a playoff series. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you can't even point to last year, even though the Jets didn't make the playoffs, but I'm saying like even last year is too long when you're not having success. And that's why, you know, people talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. That's great that you have, you know, all these conference finals appearance and sure you're making money, but ultimately are you winning a Stanley Cup? And you're not. And so the Tampa Bay Lightning, they can point to their success and say, well, we have cups behind us. You can say they're bubble cups, but the reality is they have the Stanley Cup pedigree. All these other teams don't. And so, yeah, you're right, Drew. I think it, it becomes a function of what are you going to do? If we get enough with this nonsense about this team, you know, you can't build a team in Winnipeg. You can build a team in Winnipeg. You just have to figure out the way you're going to do it, have a plan. And again, there's no obligation for Kevin Chevalier off to say this is outline his plan for everyone. I think I've had a lot of people asking me uh, on Twitter and other formula or other social media, how are you, the Jets going to do this? And I said, ultimately, in my mind, I think what Kevin Chevalier off is trying to do right now is not do anything. He's going to create some distance between the end of season media availability. So that is, you know, out of people's minds to give himself a little bit of latitude. Cause I think he lost a lot of it based on the way the end of season uh, media went here in Winnipeg. I see that Dave McCarthy is getting ready to join us. We'll go to break and then we'll bring Dave in what you're watching. The illegal curve hockey show Saturday morning. We're live on YouTube and our social media platforms. Bottom of the hour. Welcome back to the illegal curve hockey show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. We are pleased to welcome to the program. Dave McCarthy, always sporting a chapeau that makes me uh, more than a little jealous. Always joining us from the garden. Dave, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us how are things good drew i think you could pull one of these off buddy you just gotta just gotta go down that road and give it a try i do have one um and i've worn it on occasion i don't wear it all the time but it is a fixture as part of your appearances here on the show that you you always are sporting a a high quality hat i like that you're outside and wearing the hat because i'm of the belief that hats being worn inside is a fashion faux pas unfortunately both dave and ezzy are not as couth as we are even if it's an illegal curve hat come on drew don't wear a hat inside that is a fashion rule that is something you should take to heart no hats inside dave do you agree with me yes or no uh i have to say no i think uh hats inside can be well worn um the, uh, if the appropriate time is upon us. So, no, I'm, I'm not as uh, rigid as you are, Drew, when it comes to uh, to fashion to fashion uh, rules, I guess. <laughs> I think uh, if you want to be adventurous nowadays, if you, uh, if you walk around with a confidence, you can pull anything off you want. Well, Dave, thanks for joining us. We really appreciated your appearance here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave is the stylish one, and Dave, maybe maybe we could say like no hats at the dinner table, or oh, like wow, no no true. no hats if you're eating out. I mean, depending on where you're eating. I mean, if you're eating at McDonald's, then that's one thing. But if you're at a nice restaurant, you can't wear a, a ball cap. But I think no. eat, wearing a hat indoors, Drew, is fine as long as you're not eating. 
I'm gonna look. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look up the the the, the rules of fashion, and then we can discuss this again at a later date and time. But Dave, obviously, we brought you on to talk a little bit about some hockey, some Stanley Cup Finals. We got one team in there with the Florida Panthers, and of course, the, the Vegas Golden Knights could join them later tonight. We have the all the news coming out of Toronto, where you know certainly uh, uh, upheaval would be the name of the game within the Maple Leafs organization at the moment. Uh, with the on ice stuff first, though, you know, watching what the Florida Panthers are doing and and the way that they were able to, uh, you know, defeat the Carolina Hurricanes and before that the Leafs and before that the Bruins, do you think that they're maybe exemplifying a a, 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 a new approach for other teams to take to take on in terms of roster building, or is this just a function of they have the you know a goalie who's playing out of his mind right now? Yeah, I don't think it's a new approach by any stretch. I think, if anything, it's it's hardening back to my point that I've been making for years is that playoff hockey is simple, guys. Like, it really isn't a case of trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, it's it's risk mitigation. It's simple hockey. It's get good goaltending, as you pointed out, and it's get timely scoring. Um, and that's really what it comes down to time and again each and every single year. Um I think they're just playing right now a brand of hockey that is is really effective. I mean, it helps when you've got a guy playing between the pipes who is, is playing otherworldly. Like maybe the best goaltending in the playoffs that I've seen in 20 years, maybe since you know, Jean-Sebastien Jaguar. But you look at the way Florida plays, they're not really doing a lot that, that puts themselves in great risk. They're not beating themselves. Um, you know, you look at, and obviously the fact that Bobrovsky is, is coming up with stops, you know, keeps some guys out of the movie every now and again. But you look at, uh, at other teams in the conference finals, like Dallas, I think, uh, at times has really beaten themselves with some poor plays defensively that have, uh, that have put them in a tight spot. So, you know, you look at Florida, I don't see them making too many mistakes where, where they end up beating themselves. Um, I just think they're playing a really smart, straight-ahead style of hockey that, that tends to have success at this time of the year. I agree with you 100% there, Dave. Uh, and, and I wanted to get back to the Vegas-Dallas series, right? Because obviously, you know, it could have gone the other way and we could have been talking about double sweeps. And I can't remember the last time that that happened, but I, I don't think it's happened in a very long time. But, you know, this series, you've got three of the four games that have gone to overtime. Um, and obviously, game three, Golden Knights won four nothing. So that's, I guess, the the outlier there. I guess two part question. I wanted to ask, you know, what you if you think there's a chance. I mean, there obviously always is a chance that the stars could come back, uh, you know, and and make this a series. They would obviously obviously have to start with with game five, right? But if you're the Florida Panthers, like, are you hoping that these two teams push this to six or seven games, or or do you want this to end? I don't know if you've kind of thought about that or or you know talked about that on. On Sirius XM and NHL, I'm sure, because you know, if you're the Florida Panthers, like you're sitting idle for for quite a while there. Yeah, I'd be okay with the uh, Stanley Cup final starting on Wednesday if Vegas wins tonight. I mean, that's that's pretty much a full week off. Um, beyond that, you're right; you're sitting around for like ten days, which is which is quite long. Um, if anything, just to fire it back up again, sort of recapture the momentum that they've they've clearly found. Uh, since since going down 3-1 against Boston. They've been really in a nice roll, right? They rolled right into the second round. I think they only had uh, they only had one day off between those series. 
Um, you know, after sweeping the Leafs, I forget, they had a few more days off, uh, but but still not that many. Uh, Ten days, it's like you're starting up a new season again. Um, is, is, right? For real. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it feels like you went away on vacation, you came back, and now here we go again. It's kind of like uh, kind of like the, the bye week in the middle of the year um, around the All-Star break where you, you come in and it really does feel like starting a new season. So will Sergey Bobrovsky's play still be at the same level? Um, or will that magic elixir have run out? Like, will he just go back to, to decent Bob as opposed to godly Bob? Um, you know, you never know. I mean, it could happen even if they started the cup final on Monday. But my point being, 10 days is a long time to sit around. So I think a week off gives you a pretty good chance to heal up some bumps and bruises. I mean, if you have anything beyond a bump and a bruise that you're playing with at this time of the year, 10 days still is not enough for it to heal. So, you know, I'd rather take a week and then try to get right back rolling again. I think, man, 10 days off is an awfully long time in between games. Dave, we got to ask you about what's going on in Toronto. What the heck is going on in Toronto? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot to discuss. Any any more specific you want to get into? I want to make sure I come up with a fresh take that you guys maybe haven't heard yet, but um, it is... Uh, well, specifically about Kyle Dubas, yeah. of course. I mean, it's... Dave it's, doesn't like open-ended questions, Dave. <laughs> Look, what I will say is that Clearly, there was some breakdown between himself and Brendan Shanahan, and I'd really like to know what happened between the the time on you know the, the weekend, I guess two weeks ago now, when it seemed like they had a deal in place uh, for him to return, and then he went out in his press conference on Monday and and said what he said, um, and then by um, by by Thursday night, essentially, Brendan Shanahan had decided to move on. And it, it just, I still can't quite come to grips with, I mean, we've only heard one side of the story yet, but Brendan Shanahan saying that on the Thursday night, he got a, a, a new financial framework from Kyle Dubas's agent. And then an email from Kyle saying he'd like to return. And, and that struck me as a little strange. I mean, you guys have all worked together for a long, long time. If, if one of you guys was thinking about leaving the show, uh, I, I feel like you'd, you'd call the other two guys up. Please let it be Drew. We, we don't speak. We don't speak to each other off air. It, it makes our <laughs> lives a lot easier. Oh, so that you're like a band, eh? That, that's right. Uh, yeah, three three private jets for the three of us. That's right. I like it. I like it. But you know, I just I found that strange that he says he sent an email, um, and not a you know a, you know, a call where he calls him mm-hmm. up and says, "Hey, I'd I'd like to return and, and let's let's really work this out." Like an email just seems really impersonal. And then even from Brendan Shanahan's standpoint, um, getting getting what he said he got from from Kyle's agent, and basically closing the iron door at that point instead uh, again of of calling Kyle up a guy that theoretically it seemed like he, he wanted to bring back um, and say, Hey, look, I, here's what I got from your agent, man. Like that's just not going to work. That is just not going to work. That is going to be a non-starter. Uh, I can't play ball with that with my bosses, but let's, let's have a talk here. Let's try to, to work something out. Can, can we come to some sort of an agreement? I, I just thought that would have gone on. So I don't know. It just, it seems to an extent like, 
all of this was a convenient way of, of building in an excuse to say, well, it's time to go in a different direction. I don't know. It just, it just seemed really uh, sudden how, how everything broke down from, from wanting them back to, to I got to move on. You know, Dave, I just I want to do a quick follow up. Are you do you find the whole NHLPA investigation mm-hmm. a little curious that somehow the NHLPA is is investing needing to investigate the the ties between Dubis's agent and and that sort of thing? Because that just seems very unusual that that's coming to light right now. At least, yeah. what from- interesting timing that that comes out at that point in time. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, look, I think the NHLPA looks into a lot of things that we don't really ever hear about. Um, I think the fact that it's Kyle Dubas and, and everything that went down there um, draws a little bit more attention to it, and it becomes more likely that we end up hearing about it. So, um, you know, does anything come of it? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it does seem like a little bit of a, a nothing issue to me. Um so, I think I agree yeah. with you that it's probably like not isn't Bill Zito a former player agent? Like, yeah, I mean, look, if we're going to start investigating every instance of uh, potential conflicts of interest in the NHL or the you know or or tampering or anything like that, that's all. You're, there's going to be a 24 hour, uh, seven day a week tampering agency dealing with everything. I mean, this league runs on gossip and quote-unquote, inappropriate conversations among interested parties. So all of a sudden, I think it was pretty uh, – the timing was not coincidental. I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's very intriguing that that all of a sudden comes up in the week where all this uh, you know, uh, noise is going on around Dubas and everything else. Yeah, I, I don't expect really all that much to come of it. Um, but, but again, like I say, I think they look into a lot of things – uh, that that don't necessarily come to light to this extent, mm-hmm. um, but but to me it's it's really not something that uh, that I'm expecting much to come out of it down the road. Well, so Dave, have... when do the Leafs announce that they've hired Peter Chiarelli as their new GM? <laughs> well, that's that, that's your pick, is it, Esther? Just for the comedy of it all, just to watch the entire uh, internet melt down in one false swoop, it would be pretty ent- pretty entertaining. It, it I'd love to be. see Jason Botterill there personally, but I think it's probably going to be tree living. But I think Botterill is a, is a really I, I feel like he's kind of in the same kind of school as as Dubas. So I think if if they don't hire Botterill, I'm sure Botterill is going to get hired by somebody. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, when you look back at his track record in Buffalo, it, it might look a little bit better now than it uh, than it did at the time. And oftentimes for general managers, that's what happens, right? That you, you, you draft. um but you're not around long enough for everything that you drafted to develop and, and start to bear fruit at the NHL level. So, um, yeah, I, I think history looks a little bit more kindly on Vautrell and Buffalo than, than it did at the time when, when the team just really wasn't coming together. Um, but I, I do think at this point from a Toronto standpoint that it is Brad Trailing's job to lose. Um, he, he has experience. He has experience working in Canadian market. Um, you know, he's been around a long, long time. Uh, his name carries some level of cachet. Um, I think all of those things, it was suggested by Brendan Shanahan, uh, matter to him this time around. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of the road that I'd go down. Like, I, I don't think Peter Shirelli would be my pick right now. I'm surprised to be honest with you that Ray Shiro's name hasn't popped up, uh, really at all. Um, because he's a guy that 
does not get bullied around. Um, he, he has some clout. He, again, he's done it for a long time. Um, I, I kind of like the job that Ray Shiro's done in, in the places that he's been. And, and he's just a straight shooter. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever talked to him um, at all, uh, you know, off the air or whatever. He just lays it on the line and tells you, tells you the way he thinks it is. And whether that's to me or you or to, uh, to, to, to people that he's negotiating with, you know, um, whoever the general manager is in Toronto is going to have two pretty big kettles of fish to handle. Um, right off the hop, and that's how you're gonna how you're gonna move forward with Austin Matthews and William Nylander, who are eligible for extensions on July 1st, and those those need to get handled properly and negotiated properly, um, you know. And I think raise a guy that uh, will just lay it on the line and say, "Here's what we're gonna pay you. We love you. We want you here, but here's what we can pay you. Here's what we can pay. You. We we can't really do much more than this. You know, do we have a deal here or not? Um, you know, I don't I don't think he'd cave." I don't think Brad Trey living necessarily would cave either. And I think that's going to be really important is, is, is to get deals done there that not only make the player happy, it's important that you don't want to have a deal that that's one sided because when someone's not happy, the deal doesn't go well for anybody, but you need the player to be happy, but it also needs to be somewhat beneficial for the club. And the last time around um, on, 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 you know, Certainly Mitch Marner, certainly uh, William uh, Nylander, you know, and to an extent Austin Matthews, though he's performed to the contract, you know, uh, coming out of entry level, could you have gotten, you know, a little bit less than 11-6? And, or if not, could you have gotten a few more years of term, right? Like the players got everything that they wanted and the team really got nothing that they wanted on, on any case. And it's time the Leafs start to get some deals that looked pretty good from a team standpoint, like Colorado did last year with Nathan McKinnon. Yes, he pushed the bar to become the highest paid player, but not by two and a half million bucks, by by a hundred thousand dollars. You know, um, you look at look at the deal that uh, Florida just signed with Maddie Gachuk, eight year or eight years, nine and a half, nine and a half, not not thirteen and a half, nine and a half. Um, so that that's what I'm saying. It's really important that in Toronto's case, Matthews does return. That that it isn't fourteen seven, and that Nylander isn't ten and a half. Like that's just that's not going to fly at all when it comes to building a team that you can win with. Do do all four return next year, Dave? All mm-hmm. four being Matthews, mm-hmm. Tavares, Marner, Nylander. Do they return all four of them? And if they don't, how does that necessarily improve the Leafs? If they do, well, I I'm of the mind right now that they do. I agree. Simply because, as you point out, if if they don't, mm-hmm. your team won't be as good in the short term. Right. And um, they don't have to leave this year. So the Leafs are good business eight months out of the year. They'd like them to be good business. <laughs> Ten months. Ten months of the year. Yeah. Um, but but eight months of the year is pretty good because there's been a long time in this city where the Leafs have been bad business for five and a half months. Right? So so that's what you have to keep in mind. Um, and when you have a chance to contend, and, and say what you will, you, you come back with this team, you, you fill it out around the edges, you bring in some quality uh, supplementary players, 
you have a chance. You have a chance. You don't have a team that you're going to hope and, and scrape and claw to get into the playoffs. You're probably going to get into the playoffs relatively comfortably. And when you do that, you got a chance. So when you have a chance, it's tough to voluntarily um, go down the road where you now no longer have a chance out of your own doing. Um, so that's sort of how I see it working out. And I guess the counter argument would be, well, how can you possibly bring them back? The city would never stand for it. The city would never stand for it to do it again, run it back again. And to that, I say, really? You really don't think the city would stand for it? Because here's how it'll go. Everybody gets, you know, their underpants in a knot after they lose in, in five to the Florida Panthers. You got to blow it up. You got to blow it up. Then you stop talking about it. You know, then you're into August. And believe it or not, the Leafs actually don't get talked about all that much for like three weeks in August. Like, it's kind of an afterthought. <laughs> and, then, and then you come back and, oh, new season again. Here we go. This is going to be the year. And then, and then, you know, training camp opens up and you get a few questions. So, oh, why are you bringing it back yet again? Oh, we, we firmly believe that. Uh, you look at a lot of teams, Washington, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, okay. Everybody nods their head in acceptance. And then 12 games into the year in October, um, Austin Matthews has 10 goals and, and Mitch Marner has 19 points. Um, and, and all the fansies on Twitter are all like, oh, look at this. Is Austin going to score 60 again? Oh, boy. Is Mitch finally going to get to 100? And, and that's what it's going to be, right? And that's what it's going to be. And then before you know it, you're into March and it's trade deadline and how are we going to improve the team and into the playoffs and we take your kicks. So – you're not going to come into the season with people um, in in complete denial and 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 running with pitchforks and and torches at Maple Leafs uh, Central or a head office, whatever, saying uh, demanding trades. It's just not going to happen because they will play well at the beginning of the regular season, and then, like always, all will be forgotten. So I, I really don't see, to be honest with you, at this point any one of the four moving interesting dave last question for you here i know you've uh you know been following going back to kyle dubas i need to bring it full circle back to kyle dubas you've been following you know the the connections between dubas and and the penguins i'm not sure if they've formally met you might know that i i'm not aware of that but i think you know he is considered the front runner for the new gm of the pittsburgh penguins because obviously the penguins let ronnie hextall and and brian burke go I, I guess for you, does it seem like a foregone conclusion that Dubas is going to be the GM of the Penguins? And I guess the more important second part of that question is, you know, what is that going to say about what he said in that press conference where he made it seem like, you know, if it wasn't going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs and if he was going to step back for family reasons, which obviously, you know, I think you'd agree we all admire that he was, you know, willing to be that modest and say that, you know, this has taken a toll on his on his family life. I mean, I, I can relate to that. A legal curve is definitely taking a big toll on my family life, especially <laughs> just having to deal with Drew on a weekly basis. But no, but in, in all seriousness though, like, yeah. do you think that's going to irk Leafs fans? Well, I'll tell you what, just if I can for a minute, can, can we draw reference to that game between Pittsburgh and Chicago in the final week of the regular season where Pittsburgh lost to Chicago Mm -hmm. And all of the ramifications that have come out of that seemingly relatively innocuous game. I mean, you think about it. Pittsburgh wins there. They make the playoffs. Florida doesn't. Maybe Bill Zito ends up getting fired, right? Because everything that he did 
didn't work out. They end up missing the playoffs. Maybe Pittsburgh goes on a miraculous run because Sid and Gino and Chris Letang were playing really well this year. Maybe Brian Burke and Ron Hextall are still employed. Like, who knows? Eh? Chicago gets those two points. They jump up into third, and then they end up winning the draft lottery. They don't get those two points. They're not in the slot that wins the draft. Like, it's, it's bananas. <laughs> A series of unfortunate Pebble, events, right? The pebble, the pebble in the ocean, I believe, is, is the theory you're referencing. Bananas. And then, you know, maybe Kyle Dubas doesn't get fucked. Who knows? Like, literally, who knows? Um, and then we're talking about something entirely different. They got to do a 30 for 30 on a worldwide leader about that game um, at the end of March between Pittsburgh and Chicago. Um, th- does does Kyle have the job in Pittsburgh? My understanding is uh, he met with Sidney Crosby, um, according to multiple <laughs> reports, um, this past week. And um, look, I mean, you're not wheeling into the practice facility and meeting with Sid if if they're not real serious about about offering you the job that would be a big flex if it wasn't the case right right i mean and and you know can can you or i get that meeting just to wheel down to pit and <laughs> and meet with sid on a tuesday night like probably not so i think there's there's something to it um again according to reports and i haven't talked to anybody within pittsburgh's organization that I don't have a lot of connections with the Fenway Sports Group, to be honest with you. Um, but it seems like they're giving him the weekend to consider. Um, I, I think that he is the odds-on favorite to take the job. And look, I, I know what he said in his press conference. I don't think it's really all that relevant anymore. Because when he said that, um, he was operating under the assumption that I'm going to either choose to come back to Toronto to work or not at all. Um, but that would have been his decision. Suddenly, Toronto is taken away from him. Now, all bets are off the table. There's no loyalty there anymore. And um, things change. So um, if, if it's an offer that he can't... Re- because look, it, it seemed like he had talked over with his family and that he was ready to return. Right, and that uh, that that they had they had gotten to a point as a family where Kyle was ready to work. So <laughs> so there you go, right? Like that decision had been made. Um, now I okay, I'd like to come. Oh well, now I can't come back. Okay, well, I'd still like to work. My my family and I have agreed that we're ready to to go back into the grind again um, after talking it out. Okay, well, where's the next job then? So to me, that that's how it worked out. Um, so, you know, I get he said it at the time, but I uh, I don't think it's something that you have to look at him and say, ah, he said this and you know, now he's doing that. I, I think circumstances changed from when he said that. Just one, one final question here before we, we let you go. Does it seem like, and again, I know you're saying that, you know, you're not completely tapped into the, the ownership group of the of the Penguins or necessarily know this, but do you think that it's going to be Dubas-Spetsa like together? Because it seems like, I mean, it seems like they're a package deal right now. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% convinced on that by any stretch. Um, I, I think uh, Jason enjoyed working alongside Kyle, but I don't think 
that Jason will always work alongside Kyle for the remainder of each of their careers. Um, I don't think that's that's the, the case at all. You know, in Spets's case, I think he, he likes being uh, close to home here here in Toronto, where his family is, his parents are, uh, all of that. Um, I'd be interested to see what happens uh, in Ottawa once that sale uh, ultimately goes through and we figure out what's happening with the management group, um, you know, who, who becomes involved there. Could Daniel Alfredson become involved? If, if Alfie becomes involved, um, would there be an avenue for Jason to join, to join that group um, in a place that's probably a little bit closer to, I guess not really theoretically, other than the fact that it's in the same province, um, you know, Pittsburgh isn't that far away, but you know what I mean? Um, could, uh, could, could there be an avenue there? So I don't think it's, it's a lock by any stretch that wherever Kyle Dubas ends up, Jason Spezza ends up as well. And remember, uh, Kyle needs to work a lot more than Jason needs to work. Um, if they, if you check both their bank balances, I think, I think Jason's probably doing a little bit better at this point. <laughs> so I think he's not that Kyle's looking for his next meal, but I think, I don't think Jason's going to necessarily jump into anything right away that, uh, that, that he's not uh, comfortable in doing. And, and look, maybe, maybe he is the guy that does want uh, a year off to really, truly invest, uh, reinvest in his family. Um, because even though he was close to home, Man, he almost seemed like he was at the rink more this year than he was when he played, um, you know. And and he really hasn't been around his family um, full time for quite some time. So so maybe that's the case there that he got some experience uh, really in every facet of management. Jason Spezza did this past year. He's got that under his belt. Now maybe you take a year and and just sort of reinvest in your family um, and then reassess your options down the road. Dave McCarthy, NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Radio, Sunday brunch coming up tomorrow. What's in store? Uh, we have got uh, – we're going to look back, obviously, at Game 5 of the Western Conference Final, uh, tee up the Cup Final. I uh, think we're going to have somebody on from the Panthers organization. We're still trying to work out the timing there, so I uh, won't announce any uh, any names or anything concrete, but uh, some, some feelers have been put out, so to speak, uh, to try and get something in the works there. And uh, our good buddy Jason Greger, who brings it uh, every week right on. Uh, on, uh, at the top of hour number two, probably takes some phone calls as well because we're, uh, we're men of the people on the brunch. Open reservations. You know how it goes, guys. There you go. Looking forward to it. Dave, thanks for this. Get on with your Saturday. We appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. Take Cheers, care. Dave. There he goes. Dave McCarthy, SiriusXM, NHL.com, SiriusXM. Sorry, NHL.com, SiriusXM, NHL Radio is what I meant to say there. Uh, how about that? Two hours flying by on the Saturday morning, gentlemen. Good to see you both. The snap of a finger. We remind you, illegal current. I can't snap. I've tried so many times. You know that, Drew. I just can't do it. My, like, my fingers and my thumbs, they just, I don't know if they have enough oil or what it is, but I just can't snap. Can you whistle? No. Okay. I can't whistle, but I can snap. I got a good loud snap. Dave's been to the whistle pig. That is true in Transcona. Which is, which is, I can also whistle and snap. Well, you're look at you, a multi talented individual you are there, Mr. Manuk. Uh, illegalcurve.com. It's your destination for all your latest Winnipeg Jets news. And you don't need a rider article if people want some positivity about Winnipeg. There you you go, don't need Nino's. a rider. Has, 
had a nice uh, interview with Aaron Vickers, who's an NHL.com independent correspondent. And so uh, while everyone else is taking a dump on the peg, Nino Niederreiter is saying, no, 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 don't, not, not quite. And he has not a nice thing watch. to say. No, but I mean, look, he's a Swiss guy. Drew's just taking a dump in the peg. Yes, there you go. But uh, no, I think that was Scotty Bellick. But the that point is yeah. that that I think that you've got, a, you know, a lot of people are looking for some positivity and, and Nito Niederreiter didn't have to say what he said. He didn't need to, to, to put those comments out there. He was over in, in Finland uh, talking at the World Championship. His uh, Swiss team did quite well. They got eliminated, but they did quite well. Canada won. They defeated yeah. Moose legend Arthur Seelovs, who played one game when he was assigned during the bubble year. Can we give a huge shout out to though. team Latvia? Like, like yeah. that's so awesome. Like, you know, good that Canada beat them in the semis. Um, but I mean, that's the first time Latvia's ever made it to the semifinals. For playing so, for a medal. Yeah, they'll be the awesome. first time ever tomorrow. Most yeah. likely against the U S or Germany. Most likely against Germany, but Rudolph's the red nose balsers, but never yeah. counted the Germans. The but Germans anyway, the point coming. is that, uh, yeah, if you're looking for some positivity, uh, the Germans, but anyways, if you're looking for some positivity, uh, read read that article on illegalcurve.com. Got that one posted. And of course, so keep it locked. You can read that. We've got some good links. There you go, illegalcurve.com. Your you're destination good. for all your Winnipeg jets, is good. Moose, all that news all week long. Of course, our social media is at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know where to find us there. We'll be back next Saturday, of course, with another edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Big thanks to our sponsors, the Rady JCC, their annual sports dinner coming up on Monday, June the 19th, featuring Chelios, Belfour, and JR Jeremy Roenick. Tickets available at RadyJCC.com. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Matthew Broussard, next week, all sold out. Jay Muse, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob, he's been there. Uh, all weekend long, all sold out there. Linden Market Dental Center, Zappia Group Realty, Betway, they're the title sponsor of the Illegal Curve post-game show. That'll be back, of course, come 2023-24 NHL season. Our friends at Tough Duck, Boston Pizza. As I said, stay tuned. More info from about IC Live at Boston Pizza next year. Seagram's, Rollies Transfer, Grid Park, and the Keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Big thanks to Scotty Bilk. Big thanks to Dave McCarthy. If you missed any any of it, the immediate replay on our YouTube channel and, of course, the podcast available shortly thereafter. Be sure to smash the like button, rate us, review us, let us know what you think of the program, both on YouTube and, of course, on iTunes as well. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsburg, I'm your host, Drew there you go. Yes, congratulations. Good luck to the Sea Bears later tonight. Good luck to the Bombers. Exhibition season starts today as well for the CFL, for the Bombers. Uh, I am Drew Mandel. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.